Section 1 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 13, January 27, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annalisa Bodker harper's young people volume one issue thirteen january twenty seven eighteen eighty section one the dance in the kitchen oh that winter afternoon such a merry merry tune as the jolly fat tea-kettle chose its singing to begin twas a lilting scottish air and it seemed i do declare as though bagpipe played by fairy was for ever joining in then the bagpipe ceased to play and another tune straightway sang the kettle louder louder till its voice grew very big and the feet of laughing girls girls with shamrock in their curls you could almost hear a keeping time to that old irish jig darling smiling cunning bess grasped with tiny hands her dress and a pretty curtsy making while the kettle made a bow all your partner be said she forward backward one two three and pussy cried bravo my dears and one immense meow and they danced right merrily till twas nearly time for tea the kettle tilting this way and then that way oh what fun and its hat bobbed up and down on its moist and steamy crown with a clatter falling off at last and then the dance was done the old man of montrose there was an old man of montrose who had a remarkable nose so long and so thin and so far from his chin twas always in danger of blows one day the old man of montrose went out without muffling his nose and it grieves me to tell that this organ of smell as stiff as an icicle froze soon after in sneezing kerchoo his nose into smithereens flew and left but a stump a ridiculous lump that even in summer looked blue the frost-bitten man of montrose used words that were equal to blows and so great his disgrace he soon quitted the place and where he has gone no one knows the bravest of the brave in the small but strongly fortified town of saint louis on what was then the borders of france in rhenish prussia there was born a little more than a hundred years ago a child whose future intrepid career earned for him the title of the bravest of the brave his father's trade was nothing more warlike than that of a cooper his home life and training were not different from those of many of his playmates and yet before he was sixteen years old he had entered a regiment of hussars or light cavalry and before he was thirty had attained the high rank of general of division 
but those were warlike days the french revolution had just begun all europe was echoing with the clash and tread of such armies as the world had never before seen and living as he did in the shadow of fortifications constructed by france's greatest military engineer vauban it is not so strange that the youth became filled with an intense desire to taste the glory and share the danger of a soldier's life michael ney marshal of france duke of elshingen prince of mosqua for by all these titles commemorative of some one or other of his numerous victories was he known rose early in the confidence and estimation of the great napoleon and was by him entrusted with the most responsible commands in switzerland prussia austria and spain and it was not until he met wellington at torres vedras in the peninsula that he met his superior in the art of war and even then by a happy mixture of courage and skill ney was enabled to mitigate to a great extent the bitterness of defeat but to relate his whole career would be to fill a volume so we will only consider one or two incidents in his life in eighteen ten ney took an active part in the invasion of russia and by his address and energy contributed largely to the french victory at the battle of moskwa called by the russians the battle of borodino when the russian bear turned upon the invader and the ever memorable retreat commenced with all its attendant horrors of cold hunger and physical pain to ney was assigned the honorable but arduous task of protecting the rear of the fleeing troops at the start ney's force numbered seven thousand men and on leaving smolensk he found himself confronted by an army four times as large he was summoned to surrender before commencing the attack and his characteristic reply a marshal never surrenders has passed into history though it must be confessed that in the light of recent events history does not always bear out the assertion repeatedly driven back with awful loss ney determined to outwit the enemy so under the cover of darkness he and his troops made a wide circuit and reached the bank of the river Dnieper, far in advance of the pursuers but here a new foe confronted the gallant marshal how should he cross the stream he had no boats and although the weather was intensely cold the rapid current was covered only by a thin coating of ice that bent beneath the weight of a single man however to deliberate was to be lost so dividing his forces into small companies he caused the advance to be sounded himself stepping first upon the glassy surface what a subject for a painter is here presented the frozen snowy landscape the bare skeleton trees the broad serpentine course of the frost-bound river with here and there patches of open water showing darkly against the snow-covered ice the scattered groups of soldiers treading carefully and with the possibility before them that at the next step 
the treacherous floor might precipitate them into an icy grave but the hazardous passage was safely effected and after a series of conflicts with forces in every case far superior to his own ney succeeded in rejoining the emperor at orsha where he was received with open arms and hailed as the bravest of the brave a name which clung to him from that time after napoleon left the army ney still continued to fight in the rear against the ever-increasing hordes of russians that harassed the flanks of the fugitive army three times was the rear guard that he commanded melted away by death captivity or flight and as often was it reorganized by the indomitable marshal who never surrendered at last with a poor remnant of only thirty men ney defended the gate of the town of kovno the last place in the russian dominions through which the french retreated against the pursuers while the main body escaped through the gate at the other end of town he was himself the very last man to retire snatching a pistol from one of his men he fired the last shot in the faces of the russians flung the weapon into the river niemen plunged in after it and amid a storm of bullets swam the stream and gained the neighboring forest successfully eluded his pursuers and joined his comrades who had mourned him as dead in the prussian territory ney's end was as unfortunate as it was unworthy so brave a soldier when napoleon was banished to elba ney who had previously incurred his displeasure gave his allegiance to the restored bourbons and when the great emperor reappeared in france ney was placed in command of the army sent to oppose him promising his new superiors to bring back napoleon like a wild beast in a cage there is no reason to doubt ney's sincerity in this unhappy episode of his career he was of a brave impulsive disposition one accustomed to act on the spur of the moment so when he drew near to the emperor and found that the men he commanded nearly all of whom had fought at some time or other under the emperor were fixed in a resolve not to fight against napoleon it is not so much to be wondered at that ney became napoleonist with as much ardor as ever and when napoleon called on him by his old title the bravest of the brave to once more rally under his standard ney responded with alacrity as though the name possessed a magic spell he could not resist after waterloo when all that pertained to the cause of the dethroned emperor was irretrievably lost ney was brought to trial by the re-restored bourbons on the charge of treason and was condemned to be shot on december seventh eighteen fifteen he met death with that same unflinching bravery which he so many times displayed during his eventful career on most of the great battlefields of europe on december seventh eighteen fifty three exactly thirty-eight years after his death a statue was raised to the memory of the intrepid marshal on the precise spot on which his execution occurred <laughs>
End of section one. Recording by Annalisa Bodker.